You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sarahraven.com. Welcome to Grow, Cook, Eat, Arrange, the podcast of me, Sarah Raven, and my friend Arthur Parkinson. Today, we decided we would concentrate on the family of plants that are looking really totally magnificent in the garden here this moment, and that are dahlias. Now, dahlias this year have been bizarre because it's been so cold, grey and wet all the way through the summer. Sometimes we have our first dahlia coming into flower here about the 20th of June. This year, honestly, it was four or six weeks later. It's just been so late. But they're so splendid now, I think because they've taken longer to come up to flower, that we just thought we couldn't miss luxuriating in them. And so what we're going to do is give you our sort of 10 favourite varieties, both of us, which are some of the same, some different, and then just chat, general dahlia chat. So Arthur, do you want to kick off with perhaps your number one favourite right now and why? So um, my number one favourite, I think, is a single because I love the ones that are good for bees and butterflies. And the wonderful thing about single dahlias is they will provide a nectar bank right up until the first frost. It's one called Bishop of Auckland. And I love the Bishop family because they give good foliage. And I think in a pot and a small garden, foliage is a big thing. I think it's fine for big gardens to have a lot of decoratives, but you do end up with foliage like cabbage. So true. And the slugs yeah, love that too. Slugs love they? that too. And also big foliage in pots means you can only really have a dahlia in a pot. Whereas the, the Bishop family... It's more lacy, like a black elder. So I like I like them. I like Auckland probably the most. It's very proliferous, and the tuber, whenever I've lifted them, is a lot bigger than some of the other varieties. I don't know if you've noticed that, but sometimes the bishops and single tubers they can be quite small, which is surprising. But Auckland overwinters really well, bulks up there well, and um, is the most lavish claret colour. So that's that's number one. What's your number one? I think my number one is a new variety called Lou Farman. And it's a variety named after my business partner. We set up the Sarah Raven Company 25 years ago or so, or 20 years ago, I can't remember now. And that's why when we go together to Holland to look at dahlia trials, I'd already had one named after me, which I'll come on to, but uh, we just fell on this in 2019 on a, on a visit to the Netherlands. And it's to me, it, it's just absolutely perfect because like you wanting it to be good for the butterflies and bees, Lou Farman is fabulous and honestly is the busiest of, of any of the dahlias in the garden right now as soon as the sun comes out with pollinators. But also it has a sort of really graceful, long stem. So it has it holds its head right above the plants and above the foliage. So it's really elegant. And then these big, generous saucer flowers with slightly pointy petals, which again just almost looks like a sort of doubled butterfly, if you see what I mean, because it's just so sort of graceful and elegant. It's pink and crimson mixed with a golden centre. I, I just absolutely adore it. And it seems to be really reliable. So we planted it and left it in the garden here 
from tubers from that visit. So in spring 2020, in it went, and it overwintered brilliantly through last winter, even though it was a really cold, harsh winter. And so, yeah, that is currently, it changes pretty much every day, but that is my current number one. I, I do love that one. And it's also got nice foliage, I have to say. What's your number two, Arthur? Complete contrast to number one, actually, because I'm going for Vars Life and also travel. Um, because I'm quite often traveling with dahlias at this time of year as nice presents for people that I that I love in my life. And I find that the ball dahlias travel fantastically. They don't bruise like the single dahlias would if I was to take them on the bus or the train. These I can go through London with on the tube and they look fresh as a daisy by the time I get to wherever I'm going. So this is one of the first dahlias I grew. It's called Happy Halloween. Mm. And it's the best. I just love it. It's a proper Jaffa cake orange. Mm. Very, very versatile. It's been coming up here in the in the Cutting Garden Avenue for years, hasn't it? Yeah. Massive. The tubers of that must be huge. Yeah. So for a decorative cut flower that you want to last in the vase for, you know, I think that would probably last five days looking good, wouldn't it? Yeah. Completely sterile, so no good for bees, but, you know, for cutting value, absolutely fantastic. So that's Happy Halloween um, as the best one for the vase for me. Yeah, I, I adore that. And carrying on, actually... I'm not saying this is my number two in terms of rank, but but picking up on the theme for picking, definitely another absolute must-have for me is a variety called Labyrinth. Now, Labyrinth is, I remember when I first saw it, I was I was visiting a dahlia trial with my great friends, sort of dahlia co-enthusiasts, Dickie Skipper and Crean von Boxtel. And they are sweet in that quite often I would go out to Holland and they would just take me around. And I remember all of us walking up to this variety called Labyrinth in a trial field and they loving it straight away. And I wasn't so convinced because at the time I only liked the Venetian shades and it's a very soft, gentle mix of a sort of peach with a bit of cream and white and, and other colors going through it, even sometimes a bit of green going through it. And that wasn't my palette at the time, but now I just totally adore it. And if I have a daily by my bed, it's often labyrinth and it has a pretty good vase life. And the reason I think it's so exceptional is that the curves of the petal are just so luscious. So it's very, you know, the sort of fully doubles, which we're talking about now, they're not good for pollinators, but they can be quite almost plastic looking, that they can look quite formal and sort of rigid. But labyrinth, one petal goes in one direction, another petal goes another direction. So they have a wonderful sort of voluptuous, almost peony-like opulence. And perhaps more than any other dahlia, they remind me of peonies really. And just in the garden this year, we've got a brand new variety, which is called Red Labyrinth. And Red Labyrinth is a sort of rich Venetian scarlet version of that same shape. And I think there's going to be lots of interesting breeding coming out of Labyrinth because it's not just the colours, but the shapes that make it so beautiful. Your next one? Um, sticking with, with cutting is one that if I was looking through a catalogue, I wouldn't necessarily go for, but in the flesh, it's a real vision. It's called Tartan. And um, I just love dahlias because some of them you can just cut one head off and they can take a room by storm. And this is this is one of them. Mm. It's um, almost Scotland kilt territory in terms of its petal. Yes. Deep, deep mulberry jam. You know, muller fruit corner when yes. you get there. It's what exactly you, you, you like know, a muller fruit corner. Picnic muller fruit corner territory here. <laughs> 
and I, 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 I've not grown it myself. I long to. I just can't decide how I'd grow it. It's, it is one I think that I'd have on the allotment plot. You know, yes. I'd have a good five planted in a row and just cut every flower that came off. In the garden, I'd find it quite hard to place. I think. Yeah. In in my in my palette scheme, but it's if, like uh, yeah. Brighton Rock, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, very much so. so yeah. Blackcurrant, Cassie's yeah. Brighton Rock. Um, but I'd just, you know, I'd just cut it, plop it in a bowl or my favourite big mug on the table or the sideboard and it would yeah. it would steal a room. So it's a wonderful one for cutting and a beautiful shape, actually, a bit like Labyrinth. The petals are sort of incurved and going all over the place like a yeah. like a, a Catherine wheel. And the dailies that do that have, have a real elegance to them. So I, I increasingly like tart and it's very nice in the bud and I pick it every time I come. It's It's one that I love to have in the shop here. Yeah, definitely. So I I think I'd like to move on to one which is, I think, fabulous for containers. And so my number three would be one named after my youngest daughter, Molly, and it's actually called Molly Raven. And it reminds me of Venetian marbled paper. You know, those sort of beautiful books you get that are sort of covered in, in wonderful marbled or also those sort of feathered. It's you used not to get marbled. them balloons, didn't you? Yes, yeah. exactly. And they just remind me so much of that. So it's sort of stylish, but old fashioned. Mm. And it's got a sort of base color of a kind of slightly cafe au lait, sort of pinky, uh, milky coffee color, but stippled um, with crimson pinks over it. And I don't know, there's something very stylish and classy. I was trying to hybridize the two words. And it's not too big. So in a decent sized pot. So you'd want something, you know, that would stand uh, sort of up to certainly above knee height, mid thigh height and put it in a pot like that. And it gets to just not even a meter. And it's got lovely dark foliage. And at the moment, we've got a pot in the garden planted with the penicetum which is the dark red penicetum called, I think it's called Purple Majesty. Mm. And it looks wonderful with the spikes coming up through the round-headed dahlias. And it, yeah, it's just a cracker for a pot. So that would have to be on my list. And what about you for containers? I know Bishop of Auckland you mentioned, but have you got any others that you particularly rate for pots? Well, I don't want to steal the ones that you've picked. <laughs> no, you go go for it, go for it. I think we can be pretty free flow here. Uh, well, I've got to mention Totally Tangerine in that case, haven't yeah. I? Yeah. Which is a wonderful yeah. anemone one, one of the earliest to flower. I used to grow at Emma Bridgewater because we had our literary festival in very early July. And I used to pot it up in the greenhouse in a big three litre pot. And under glass, it would always be in flower for then. So I'd have it lining the stage where the authors used to speak. It's one of the best for butterflies. Again, it's very happy in a pot. It doesn't need to be a pot as big for Molly Raven. It could be possibly a little bit smaller. I, I grow it in tin baths. It's very happy in a tin bath. Yeah. Very good being companion planted with panicum, frosted explosion, and any mm. tough half-hardy annuals like Rebecca Sahara or cherry mm. brandy. Mm. Um, Beautiful. And it just goes on and on and on, flowers mm. its socks off. Mm. It here... Uh, we have it in the Dutch yard, which is the colour of terracotta and totally tangerine reminds me, it picks up on that sort of terracotta-y colour so much. It's always covered in butterflies and bees, isn't it? Mm. And it often is the first to come into flower. So even this year, it was in flower in July, uh, whereas I've had it in flower here in this quite sunny Dutch yard in June before. And it's often the last to flower too. So 
it's it's an absolute cracker. I don't think any garden is complete, particularly a container garden without totally tangerine. And then I would just add to that Josie, which is another one that we've bred, uh, which is named after our head gardener, Josie Lewis. And it's like totally tangerine, slightly more compact, so even better for a pot and a brighter orange. So it's more like your happy Halloween orange. So really saturated orange, whereas totally tangerine is more muted and more terracotta, but they're both got, they're in the anemone flowered group, which is where you've got a whirl of petals. And then there's almost like a sort of sea anemone in the middle of the flower. And I remember when I first saw that first one of that group, which is a variety called Blue Bayou, I was really worried that there wouldn't be any nectar for, for the pollinators. But then I stood and watched Blue Bayou in this uh, garden in Holland, and I saw that that both red admirals and peacocks and uh, actually the third, tortoiseshell butterflies, were hovering around them really actively. Mm. So um, they obviously are full of nectar, and indeed they are incredibly good for the pollinators. So I totally agree. Totally Tangerine was on my list, as you say, but we can both poach from each other's lists. My next one for craziness. And like you, like you chose tartan, I would like to choose a crazy one. And for me, that would be Holly Hill's Spider Woman. And I partly love it because of its mad name, but it's the, the maddest of all the cactus dahlias. So it's a mix of purple at the heart and then white tips to its petal. But each one is like a sort of tubular needle and they all head in different directions. So as a single head in a single stem vase, just sitting on the kitchen table, or even better, in a line of three or five or seven or 11 or whatever, down the middle of the table as the upper story, and then something sort of picking up on that coloring, but sort of dark and rich like your Bishop of Auckland at the lower levels. So you've got a heart down low in little bowls and things, and then a horizon from Holly Hill Spider Woman. And that is just immediately and instantly spectacular and looks like a sort of constellation of stars. And Holly Hill Spider Woman, I really missed having in the garden because we actually lost it. And so this year, Josie and I made sure this spring that we definitely had um, at least three or five plants of Holly Hill Spider Woman in the daily beds. And I've loved picking them ever since. So another one from you, Arthur. Uh, going back to the classics of the big decoratives that you'd have in the border. This is one of the first ones that I ever saw and took notice of when I first started thinking about dahlias. It's Thomas Edison, Thomas A. Edison, I should say. It's a really beautiful purple, proper, proper Cadbury bar purple. Huge dinner plate. This is one I've got in my hand. It's only just coming out, but they'll, they'll reach, you know, full palm size. Very strong, lots and lots of flowers you'll get off this one. And again, it's one that is a single head in the vase. It will it will stand up on itself, doesn't need much more to make it look better than it is. And I think it's it's one of the classics from the Venetian collection, isn't it? Yeah. So it's a good it's a good survivor of the classics, I'd say. It is. It's a it's an absolute beauty. It's that rich, rich cardinal purple, as you said. And it's got that beautiful texture. Very hardy, seems to come up really reliably here. I think it's been in the garden here for 20 years now, Thomas Edison. So, yeah, it's 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 an absolute cracker. I, I agree. I totally love it. So, again, sort of been around for a while, but another that I just go to again and again, and you've just done this wonderful vase standing in front of me of really spectacular ones that, oh, I don't know, it, it, it sort of reminds me of the most beautiful medieval tapestry somehow. But the dahlia from it that I perhaps love the most is a variety called Verone's Obsidian. 
And it looks most like a chocolate cosmos of any dahlia that we've grown, really. And it's a completely single variety with a almost like a sort of top-knot ball. You know those those woolen balls that mm-hmm. you can make in the center that you put on the top of your bobble hat? So it's the bobble on the bobble hat, but in the richest gold. And it's, it's literally like saffron gold in mm-hmm. the middle. And then the petals... And it always has this beautiful whirl, quite well spaced, which I like. So you can see the green calyx behind of these as as dark as you can get in the flower world. So really, really deep chocolate black color. And it has these single whirl of petals. And it just looks like the most perfect star. And the contrast between the gold and the black velvet petals for me is completely stunning. And it just looks wonderful in the garden and really even more wonderful perhaps in the vase. So that for me is a is an absolute winner. And then maybe we could finish with talking about two brand new varieties that we've got in the trial here, which we haven't got in our range yet, but they will be in our range in spring 23 because <laughs> we trial so far ahead. And so why don't you tell me your brand new favorite variety? Well, this one, I remember sending you a photo of on Instagram when I saw it saying, we've got to grow this. It's going to be, look amazing in the shop for our shop displays. It's a, a decorative called Akita. And um, our decoratives, I would say, are the most stylish of the lot. They're not too, too big and they're not too country show, are they? They've always got a a charisma of petal. And this really has it like a, a sea anemone's tentacles when they're all out, when the tide comes in. This this is incredible. It's, it's the colour of... Um, you know, the Chinese New Year when they had the dragons and the yes. the crazy mythical creatures promenading down the street and all the fireworks are going off behind them. This really could be there. I can imagine it hung up. Totally. So I'm excited about Kita, an incredible cut flower and a big a big flower too. So that's my favourite from this season. Yeah, it does it you're so right. It looks exactly like a Chinese dragon mm. um in one of those processions down. Um, Chinatown streets in Soho. I completely (laughs) agree. It's marvellous. It's marvellous. Well, mine, I think, would be a variety called Mats. Not a very very sort of distinguished name, M-A-T-S. But I've loved this coming out. It's going to be quite controversial, I think, because it's got three colours in the flower. The petal tips are white. The petal bases are green a sort of greeny yellow, but definitely green. And then over the top of them all is this lovely light stippling of crimson. Mm. And so again, rather like the Molly Raven variety that I was talking about, it's very glamorous as a single stem, but also in the garden amidst dark foliage and dark crimson flowers, you know, other varieties, it sort of radiates. And that's how we've got it in the garden here. It's in the trial, but that's definitely one that I think I'll be going to to pick. But it really lifts a vase. I mean, you can imagine it almost like with Cosmos Purity, and it would just be the perfect contrast where there's white in it, but it's got a stippling of something else. So I think that that would be my number one of of the new trial varieties we've got here. And I can't not finish in a way with – well, you could perhaps talk about what we're doing in the garden now, but I've got to mention Sarah Raven because it is my namesake. And that's a new variety that we introduced this year. 
And it's the most beautiful terracotta coloring with the crimson heart. So again, not dissimilar as Matt's, but it but it just doesn't have the white in it. And um, no, it's beautiful. It's like a jammy dodger. And um, is it is it a collarette type dahlia? Yeah, is that the right? But yeah, it's still exactly. good for pollinators, isn't it? Yeah, um, I've got one at home, and the bees are always on it. And I love how it's different tones of orange, yellow, apricotty radiating yeah. out from a very dark center. Yeah. Uh, like jam, almost like a strawberry skin center, almost with yes. all the seeds. Yes, it is. That it red. is exactly that texture. No, it's yeah. a cracker. So as far as dahlias in the autumn, of course, just a few technical things, which are that we haven't lifted our dahlias here, apart from in pots, because of course, in pots, they are vulnerable to frost, both from the top, the base and the sides in a container. So any that are growing in a pot, they have to be lifted out of the pot and taken inside, wrapped in hessian and protected um, against the frost. But any in the garden, certainly in our part of the UK, so if you're in a sort of relatively southern part, mulching six inches deep with a good dry mulch. We use compost here, but you can use anything you know, you could use your own compost or you could even use bracken or whatever, but you've got to mulch them deeply and six inches, which is an upturned bucket at least, mm. over the head of each crown. Label each variety with a big, long, tall label so you can still see which variety is sitting underneath. And only do that when the first frost blackens the foliage. So we're not nearly at that point yet, but in about six weeks, We'll be starting to cut them back, mulch them, and then leave them through the winter. And up they'll come again next spring with a bigger and better tuber. And you can, at that point, lift and divide the tubers if you if you either want to propagate or if you they're just getting a bit congested and you've got too much of one variety. But they are, without doubt, the most low-maintenance, highest production, utterly splendiferous, fabulous, fantastic, easy-to-look-after garden plants, which are now with climate change, perennial in this part of the world. So, you know, what more to say about dahlias? How do you eat them? Make a salad, scatter the petals over a lovely autumn into winter salad, a mix of rocket, mustard, lettuce, chervil, parsley, coriander perhaps, so those hardier herbs, and then scatter a good range of coloured petals over the top. And so then you've got them in the vase and you've got them on the table to eat as well. Thank you for listening to Grow, Cook, Eat, Arrange. Next week, I'm back with Sarah and we're going to be having a lovely time on the sofa together, scanning through what is our pride and joy, our autumn catalogue. So we'll be talking about our favourite bulbs, our favourite new and old collections that we've put together here at Perch Hill. So join us then for our exclusive bulb lists from us both. You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sarahoven.com.